This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. I'm thankful that we serve a great God, aren't you? Thank you, Jesus, for being so great. Thank you, Jesus, for just being so awesome. Oh, we just honor you today, Father. I ask that you would just help us today as we get into your word. I pray that you would help us to receive it, help it to open our eyes, and I pray that change just drop and people just walk out of this place free, free indeed, understanding exactly what you have done through sending your son, Jesus Christ, and how free we truly are. Help us to be unleashed, to be the people of God that you've called us to be, the men and women you've called us to be, the church you've called us to be. We thank you in advance for it in Jesus' name. The church said amen. Amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this title, Unleashing Confidence. Unleashing Confidence. And you can also follow along on version if you have your mobile device and you have the, uh, the version app on your phone or your iPad. You can go and, and search for a live event in your area and you'll be able to follow along with us this week. You know, when I think about confidence, I think about being sure of myself. I think of, you know, being strong, feeling like I know what I'm doing and I'm, I'm, I'm very confident. A lot of times, a lot of people lack that confidence in their life that they need. And they don't feel very secure in who they are. And so we look for other people to give us that. And a lot of times, that creates a lot of bondage in our life. And I think that it's best said this. I I read this quote, and I just had to share it. That the unspoken belief is that unless people approve of you, you're worthless. That's an unspoken belief. Nobody would really admit to that. Nobody would really want to say that. But a lot of times we go out seeking other people's approval and we equate people's approval with our worth. So many people are prisoner to how other people view them. You see, if we empower others to dictate our thoughts and our feelings, then our confidence rests in people. You see, when we face discouragement or someone doesn't approve of our decisions in life, those things can keep us prisoner and we feel we can never be free to move forward in life. A lot of times people or things may remind us of our past may remind us of our failures or our insecurities. And then what we do a lot of times to compensate for that is that we'll surround ourselves with people who tell us what we want to hear because we're really afraid of rejection. We'll alter our personalities to appease other people, but when we do that, we only lose ourselves in the process. We can become so enslaved to other people's opinions that we serve them instead of God. And we want so badly to be told that we're doing things right or that we've accomplished something good. But if no one tells us that, then we look to others to deem for us what is success or that we're successful. And then we'll try to pattern our lives after those people, but we only fall short and then we feel like a failure all over again. We'll say things like, why don't you treat me like she treats him? I wish our kids acted like so-and-so kids. And we think that somehow that that will make us successful. And we have this misbelief that success brings confidence. And we think that if I can obtain this level that I have deemed and set for myself as success, then I will find the confidence and the assurance within myself that I've been looking for. So we chase after success because we're really chasing after confidence. And what we're really chasing after is worth. We're really wanting someone to validate us and say, you're worth something. You matter. What you have to say is important. The fact that you are breathing air on this planet is making a difference. 
And unless oftentimes we have someone giving us that approval or giving us that type of validation or we've reached a certain pinnacle or level in our lives that we deem as success and other people go, oh, look at them, they're successful. We may feel like we're not worth anything. Oftentimes we'll feel worthless because of things we haven't done, haven't accomplished when we look at our peers. We look at other people that are in our age group and we'll go, man, I'll look at what they're doing with their life. I am a failure. I must not be worth very much. And these things play on our psyche and they work on our heart and they trap us into this misbelief that somehow we're worthless. That somehow without that approval or without someone looking at me and able to go, wow, look at what they've accomplished then I feel like I'm a failure. You see, we say things like this. You know, if I only lived in that kind of house, If I were only able to take that kind of vacation, you know, honey, if we took those kind of vacations or drove that kind of car or, you know, if I married this kind of person, then, then I would be happy. Then I would be successful. Then I would feel like I had a right to be confident because look at what I did. Look at what I've accomplished. You see, the thing is, is that we somehow have bought into this distorted view of success being other people's approval. And so we're never truly unleashed to be who God created us to be as long as our source of confidence is other people's opinions. We're never truly able to be unleashed into the confidence that God wants us to have because we're putting our confidence in others. We so badly live in this fear of rejection of other people, this fear of man's opinion. And I believe that today we're going to go on a journey through the Word of God that's going to help us to see things that will help us to grow and understand that we can be free from those things so we can be the people of God that he's called us to be, so we can be the church that God has called us to be. Amen, somebody. And so I want you to write this down. This is my first point this morning. I left a blank here on this because I want you to write your name on it. Blank, your name is complete in Christ. I want you to write that down because I want you to see it. If you're taking notes on your phone, I want you to type it in your little notes section. I want you to type in your name. You know, Tom, Mary, whatever your name is, type it in there, is complete in Christ. Because here's the thing, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says this, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Look at somebody and say, all things. No, say it like you mean it, like you in church today. All things. There you go. Come on. Now, that phrase in the Greek, all things, doesn't just mean all all things like we would just say all things and just quickly dismiss it because it's so familiar but here's what that actual phrasing means it means thoroughly whole in every way now think about that thoroughly whole in every way in christ you are complete not gonna be you are complete in christ because christ is perfect amen and if christ is in me then i am complete in him All things are made new, not some things. God didn't go, oh, I'm only going to make you new a quarter of the way, and you've got to figure the rest out. No, Jesus made you complete. He didn't halfway forgive you. He didn't halfway restore you. He didn't halfway set you free. When he said, whom the Son sets free, he's free indeed, not just a little bit. So you are complete in Christ because God doesn't do things halfway. God did everything by sending his son, Jesus. It is us who have the identity crisis, who have the mental roadblocks that we have to face because we need to realize how complete and free and forgiven we really are. 
And that's the battle a lot of us often face, is that we don't really believe that we're complete. We don't believe that we're truly forgiven because we're carrying around our past with us. Last week, I let Pastor Stephen share with us, and one of the things that he said that stood out to me was an example that he used about a prince. He said, a prince is not going to go and eat in the gutter out of the trash can. He's going to go, no, that's not where I belong. I belong in the palace because I'm a prince, so I'm not even going to consider eating in the trash can because I know who I am. A lot of Christians don't know who they are, so they still walk around like they aren't forgiven, like they're still bound in chains, like they're still guilty, like they're still so ashamed, like they're still weighted down because they're eating out of the gutter. They don't realize they've had an identity shift. They have, they've had an identity change. They have changed who they are, but they haven't changed the way they see who they are. And a lot of times it comes down to an issue of not understanding who I am in Christ and that Christ has made me complete. Because here's the thing, what you think, what you feel, and what you are are oftentimes very different things. What you are and what you think and feel sometimes are very different. You see, you are complete in Christ now. Not going to be right now. Because here's the thing, you are as saved as you're going to get. That's it. There is no platinum level and diamond level and triple diamond level. That's not, you, you, don't, you don't advance in Christianity and become a bigger Christian a, and, and become more loved by God because of your accomplishments. He loves you just as much as he's going to love you right now. You're worth just as much to him as you're ever going to be worth because he paid a price for you. And he paid the price of his son, Jesus Christ. And you are complete in that fact. You are saved. He's already done it. Every time you sin, Jesus isn't going to say, okay, put me back on the cross because so-and-so blew it again. He's not going to do it. He's already done it. It is complete. He said, it is finished. Do you remember that? Jesus said, it is finished. He didn't say, oh boy, I'm going to have to do this again because these are a bunch of goofballs. He did it once and for all. It's forever settled. It is done. You and I are the ones that need to understand it is finished. It is done. And we need to grow in that grace that he has given us. We need to grow and rest in that fact instead of walking around with this sin consciousness and this sin guiltiness and understanding, feeling like we're incomplete, feeling like we're somehow lacking. No, if Christ is in me and I'm in him, I'm complete because the same life that flows from the vine flows to the branch and it produces fruit because I'm connected to the source. Not because of something that I've done, because of everything that he's done. That makes me complete right now. In Christ, not going to be. Now I'm going to blow you away. You're as free as you're ever going to be. Well, pastor, that doesn't make sense because I'm struggling with this and this and this. And you don't know what's going on. I understand you're struggling with things. And the things you're struggling with are not as much things that Jesus hasn't set you free from because he's already paid the price. The things that you're struggling with are the fact that you're not understanding that you're a new creation and you're not identifying with that. You're identifying with your struggle and your past and your pain and your hurt and your wounds. And he wants you free from that. And he doesn't want that confidence to be locked up and rested in what other people think or when other people can say, oh, well, you're obviously free. No, I'm free because Jesus set me free. I'm complete because Jesus made me complete. Amen, somebody. Amen. You see, here's the thing. You're as saved as you're going to be right now. You're as free as you're going to be right now. But everything around you wants you to think and feel the opposite. Everything around you is pressuring you to feel and think the opposite. Like television does this a lot with all of their advertisements. They make us feel like unless we have their product, our lives are somehow incomplete. It's like, you know, we, we get the iPhone 
And we feel like, oh, I have an iPhone. I am complete. I am cool. And then all of a sudden, just about the time I get the iPhone, the new one comes out. You've got to be kidding me. I'm stuck with this one for two years. But wait a minute. If I sell one of my cars, if I sell a kidney, if I work overtime and I camp outside of the Apple store for a week before it comes out, maybe, just maybe then I'll be complete and I can get the new iPhone because instead of it just having Siri and talking to me, this one flies. <laughs> and mine doesn't fly. Mine's the stupid iPhone, the non-flying version. But when I get that, I find that I'm still not complete. I'm happy, and I'm cool. I'm walking around with my iPhone. See, my, you see, you know, people, it, it's funny how phones go through these phases. They get tiny, and then they get big. And they get tiny, then they get big. It's cool to have the tiny phone. It's cool to have the big phone. Right now, big phones are in. So it's like you're walking around with this big, giant cell phone. Before you know it, people are going to be taking their iPads. They're going to be talking around. This is the iPhone 10 right here. And somehow that makes me complete. Somehow that makes me cool. And it doesn't. It just gives me a temporary feeling of, look at what I have. Look at what I can do. Look at what I've accomplished. Look at how great I am. And that feeling of being complete in that moment is very temporary, and it's only going to last just a little while. Just like when you were a little kid and your mom would take you down the toy aisle, and you would think, oh, I want this, I want that. Oh, I've got to have it. I've got to have it. I've got to have it. And then you get it, and you're happy for about 10 minutes. And then next thing you know, that toy is laying in the floor. What? I thought you had to have that. You didn't have to have it. We think that things will make us complete. And we look and we buy into the advertising. We buy into the marketing. But let me tell you something. You will never be complete until you're complete in Christ. And you start acting like Christ is the only thing that will make you complete. And stop treating Jesus like he's something on the shelf that we just pull off when we need him. Oh, Jesus is on this compartment of my life. And oh, it's Jesus' time in my life. And I'm going, I pull him off the shelf. Oh, hi, Jesus. Hi, Jesus. Okay, I'm done. And that's what a lot of times we do. It's like we're dating Jesus. You know, we pick him up on Sunday morning. And we say, and then we leave him at the door. We go, that was a nice time. I'll see you next week. He doesn't want that from us. He wants us to put him at the center of our lives. Because when Jesus is at the center, he affects everything else. He doesn't want to just be in a slot of our lives. He wants to be everything. He wants to be at the center. And he wants us to understand that we are incomplete without him. You know, here's the thing. A lot of times we feel like we're incomplete. When we feel like I don't have this or I haven't accomplished this, we look at what someone else has, look at what someone else did. Or worse yet, sometimes we'll watch a movie and we'll see how that couple fell in love. And we'll go, my marriage isn't like that. My husband doesn't treat me like that. Oh, we didn't fall in love that way. My marriage is just plain and regular and too normal, maybe a little boring. And we just buy into this stuff. And what we do is we seek other people's definitions of happiness and success. In reality, we become prisoner of those things. Here's the thing I want you to realize today. And I want you to write this down. I want you to put your name in the blank. You need to approve of you because God approves of you. Oh, let me say that slow so I can say it some more because somebody ain't listening. You need to approve of you because God approves of you. If we have a distorted view of ourselves, then in turn we are really having a distorted view of really what God can do in us. We're saying God really can't forgive if I don't see myself as forgiven because I'm limiting God because of how bad I am. 
I'm limiting God because of my past or my failures or because of my addictions and my chains and the way I view myself. I'm actually holding myself prisoner and it's a big lie of the enemy to try to get me to look at myself as less than. And because I think that I'm worthless, then I don't think I'm deserving of the love of Jesus and I don't think I can actually receive that love and forgiveness because I feel like I'm not good enough for Him. And I spend my whole life trying to be good enough for Him. But you need to recognize right now you'll never be good enough for God. Jesus was, so you didn't have to be. He was our substitute. He was the one that took our place. And because of that, He welcomes us into His family. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That whosoever would believe in Him wouldn't perish, but would have everlasting life. And you need to see yourself that way, that you are loved that much. He doesn't always approve of the things that we do. There are times in our lives, I'm sure, that God is going, you know what, if you take this path, you're going to experience a lot of heartache and a lot of frustration and pain. But we still choose those paths sometimes in our lives. And God may not be pleased with the choice, but that doesn't mean He all of a sudden stops approving of us. It's just kind of like with our kids. Have your kids ever done anything goofy? Have they done anything that you've ever not approved of? But at the same time, did you disown them and say, you're not my kid anymore because you didn't do your homework or because you got a D on your report card? Did they all of a sudden fall out of favor with you and now you, you hate them and you don't like them anymore? If you love your children, of course not. You wouldn't let them fall out of your love and that doesn't mean they're out of your family simply because they have failed. You still love them, you still welcome them, and you want to help them to do better, and you want to help them to grow and not be stuck in that in their life. And so you try to help them along, and you do that through loving them and being there and always being that rock and that support base for them. But you don't just disown them. But we've got this mentality. When we look at God, we think that somehow I'm still trying to earn this love. I'm still trying to earn this forgiveness. I'm trying to earn this approval. And when I don't get it from other people, then all of a sudden I feel like a failure and I feel like I'm not good enough. But really, it's us needing to approve of us because God approves of us. It's us needing to be okay with us. Because, you know what, even though I may, may, may make mistakes, and I will, I'll fail, I'll do things wrong, I need to know that because God loves me, I can pick up and I can do better and I can correct it and I can still advance and go ahead in life instead of being stuck and chained to my past and my failures. That's the goodness of God. That's the grace of God. That I don't have to be stuck and chained to that because I need to be okay with me, even with my mistakes. You know what? I, I'm not happy and proud that I did these things or that I may have messed this up or messed that up. But you know what? It's not the end of the world because God still loves me. Because there's still hope for me. You see, when I don't approve of me and I begin to look at myself in that negative way, I'm taking away hope. I'm saying, you know what? I, I am a terrible person. I am a horrible human being. I can't be forgiven. I'm not worthy to be loved. I want to show you something in Scripture. Go to the book of Romans and the 8th chapter. Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at verse 15. Romans 8 and 15. The apostle Paul writes this. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. You did not receive the spirit of bondage, the spirit of being a slave that would lead us by fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. 
which we cry out, Abba, Father, which we cry out, Daddy, God, which we cry out, Father, Dad. We cry out to Him in that way because we've received the spirit of adoption. A lot of times, people who have been adopted, they have this feeling at some point in their lives, and they may struggle and wrestle with this their entire lives, that somebody didn't want me. Somebody rejected me. Someone neglected me. But you know what? If you were adopted, I want you to turn that around and look at it a different way now. Because not only can you say that, but if you choose to dwell on that and that's your identity, you're going to have a hard road ahead of you. Somebody went through a lot of trouble to choose you. Hello, somebody. Hello. Somebody went through a lot of trouble to choose you. You know, sometimes when we have kids, God bless them, we love them, we're grateful for them, but we weren't really expecting them to come along when they did. Oh, you're pregnant. Wow, that's great. And they were a surprise. When you're adopted, you weren't a surprise. You were actually picked. You were actually chosen. And you should be grateful that, yes, maybe someone did neglect you, but at the same time, somebody chose you. The Bible says that we've received the spirit of adoption where we cry out, Abba, Father. It's not that God left us and rejected us and abandoned us in our sin. He chose us. And He said, I want you. I pick you. I love you. So I love you so much that I'm going to give you the opportunity in turn to choose me. Oh man, that's powerful stuff. We haven't received the spirit of this bondage and this slavery. We've received a spirit of adoption, a spirit of being chosen, a spirit of being loved so much that someone went to great lengths to choose us. So here's the thing. You can make good decisions without everyone else's approval of them. You can move past that habit and addiction because somebody chose you and said, you're worth something to me. And you don't have to look at somebody else to figure out that you're worth something. Amen, somebody? A lot of times we get stuck in this trap of feeling like we need someone to tell us that we're worth something, to validate us or to validate our decisions and tell us, oh, I think that you're doing good things in life. It doesn't mean that we don't go after and seek other people's advice. But let me tell you something. We need to be okay even with the decisions that we make as we grow in God and know that we're trusting Him and that we're growing in Him even when we make poor decisions that we still it's not the end of the world. It's not over for me because there's still a God who's offering hope and grace and love and mercy and forgiveness. And I can walk and grow in that because my identity is not wrapped up in the things that I've done. My identity is complete and wrapped up in Christ. Amen, somebody. Amen. Too many times we rely on others for approval. And we gain this false confidence that comes from approval. You see, when you get approval from other people, it makes you feel good about yourself. And sometimes we can become addicted to that, to where we actually seek after that because we like the way that it makes us feel. And it gives us this, this false sense of confidence because someone's telling me I'm doing something right. We have the mentality that our success brings confidence and that our success is directly equated to what other people say and think about us. And if our success is tied to other people's opinions and other people's words, then if we're hearing good words, then I'm successful and then I'm confident. But if we hear negative words, then the confidence leaves and I don't feel successful. And I begin to get trapped and enslaved. 
to that depression, that heaviness, that weight, that fear. The Bible says you did not receive the spirit of fear, the spirit of bondage. You received the spirit of adoption, of being chosen. Amen, somebody? Amen. Amen. Here's the thing about this. When we rely on other people's approval and we gain this false confidence from that approval, it sets us up like this. That confidence gained from others' approval is really at its root, pride. It's what it is. Because it's pride in what we have done. That we've said that we have accomplished something that's good enough. And because of that, we begin to think, oh, I'm so great. Because I've done this. And then we get to the place to where we get cocky and we get kind of smug and we get comfortable in our own skin. And we're like, yeah, I, I'm so great. Look at what all I've done. Look at what all I've accomplished. Look at the house I live in. Look at the car I drive. Look at my trophy wife and all my perfect children. And we look at that and we go, oh, man, that guy's successful. Oh, you're doing a really good job. Oh, you're so successful. And it becomes this pride that builds up in us. And it's a false confidence. It's not true confidence. It's just pride. Do you get that? Is this making any sense? Makes sense to me, and it messes up my little world. Because when I think about these things, I know a lot of times we can identify areas in our life that we have relied on other people for the confidence that we have, and it's really pride. You see, because genuine confidence comes from relying on grace, not my works or my efforts to impress or please. That means that I need to be okay with myself because I understand grace and I understand that God approves of me and he chose me. Amen, somebody? I want you to go to the book of Romans chapter 5. I want to show you another set of scriptures. Romans chapter 5. Romans 5, we're going to look at the first verse. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we also have access by faith into his grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. For when we died, for, for when we were still without strength, sorry, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from his wrath through him. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. We see that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't go, okay, you've got to be perfect, and then I'll be willing to sacrifice myself for your sin. No, he said, I'll sacrifice myself while you were still sinners. I'll sacrifice myself because you're worth it, because I'm choosing you, I'm telling you I love you, I'm telling you that you're worth something. Now, you need to understand that nothing we can do except our faith in Jesus Christ can make us right with God. Amen? Nothing we can do except our faith in Christ can make us right with God because Jesus made me complete. I'm complete in Christ. And I need to realize that. I need to realize that I'm complete. And I need to pick myself up and realize that I'm complete in Christ and I need to grow from that point. What am I growing in? I'm growing in the realization and the understanding of the completion of what Jesus did in me. 
I'm growing in understanding just how free he really made me. I'm growing in the understanding of how much he really loves me. And I'm taking step by step by step, recognizing that I was worth something to God. Amen, somebody? You see, when I fail, and we do fail, we pick ourselves up and we realize that I'm complete in Christ and I'm not going to let this defeat me. I'm not going to let this hinder me. I'm not going to let this become a stumbling block for me. So I learn how to forgive. I learn how to love. I learn how to walk in joy. I learn how to walk in forgiveness. I learn how to be more healed and made whole because he's already done it for me. I've just got to see myself the way he sees me. I've got to see it for myself. And I've got to quit looking to others to validate me, to tell me, okay, now you're good enough to be loved. Now you're good enough to be accepted. Now you're good enough to be wanted. No, you were good enough to be wanted when Jesus hung on the cross and said, it is finished. Hmm. That's why the Bible says that in Hebrews 11 and 6 that without faith, it is impossible to please God because it takes faith to trust that what Jesus did was good enough. Amen? Amen. And we can't please God with our own works. It takes our faith. It takes our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did was good enough. Faith in grace gives me confidence in God. Faith in the goodness of God and his grace and his love and his mercy. Faith in his grace and his act of grace by sending his son Jesus Christ gives me confidence in God. And then it changes things now because faith in grace unleashes confidence in God. And confidence is what brings success, not the other way around. Too often we live in this culture where we think if I can be successful in other people's eyes that it's going to bring me confidence. But confidence comes through relying on grace. It comes through being complete in Christ. And when I'm confident in Him, Paul said, I'm not confident in anything. I don't know anything except for Christ crucified. That's all I got. Because at the end of the day, I was a guy out there killing Christians. I need this grace stuff. I need Jesus because I'm incomplete without him. I have lived a life where I thought I was doing something right in and of myself. And if people would look at me and they would say, oh, the, the Saul, this guy, this, the, this guy who's a Pharisee of Pharisees, he's successful in the eyes of man, but yet he was miserable. He wasn't successful in the eyes of God because he was incomplete because he didn't have Christ. But when he met Jesus Christ, everything changed. And now he says, you know what? I know the law. I know this thing frontwards and backwards. I know I, I was the, the most zealous guy on the planet. He said, but guess what? He said, it's all nothing without Christ. I'm incomplete without Christ. It's all about him. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Not me in me, the hope of glory. Not my works in me, the hope of glory. No, it's the grace of God that gives me confidence. And then when I recognize that my confidence is not in myself, but it's in Him, then guess what? It brings success. Not maybe the kind of success that the world deems, but it's going to be success in the eyes of God. And when I'm living to please God, and I want what He wants, then I want to please Him, and I want to seek first His kingdom, and I, when I'm confident in Him, it helps me on that path. helps me on that journey to grow because my confidence isn't coming from what I've accomplished. It comes from what Jesus has already accomplished. Amen, somebody. Amen. See, success in life is not when you have finally made everybody happy. Happy, happy, happy. <laughs> success in life is not when everybody is happy with you because not everybody's always going to be happy with you. 
Sometimes you'll do things right, sometimes you'll do things wrong, but you can't do things just to please other people. You can't make every decision in your life and have to worry what's everybody going to think when you say or do or whatever. Because if you live in that kind of fear, you're giving people a kind of power to run your life with their opinions and their thoughts and their attitudes towards you. And if you do that, you'll be miserable. I said, if you do that, you'll be miserable. Amen or oh me, right? <laughs> Success in life is not when you finally made everybody happy and they like you and they think you're amazing, gifted, talented, and responsible. <laughs> I wrote that down. When I read it last night, I laughed too. Just because I think it's funny. I'll tell you why in a minute. Success in life is not when you finally made everyone happy and they like you and think you're amazing, gifted, talented, and responsible individual. <laughs> That's not when you've made it in life. And no, now I'm successful. No, no, no. You're successful when you're not confident in yourself, when you're confident in Jesus Christ, when you're confident in His grace, because without faith it's impossible to please God. His rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Hmm. Here's the thing. Success naturally flows in those who learn where their strength and their confidence comes from. And then they walk in it. That's where success comes from. Not from your own accomplishments. So I say all that to say this. I'm going to be real vulnerable with you this morning. Share my story a little bit. As your pastor, as a man, kind of what I've gone through in life and things I've struggled with. You know, like most boys, I longed for the approval of my dad. And I felt validated when I would hear job well done from my dad. Even when I would do things for him that I really didn't want to do. There were times that I would play certain sports he wanted me to play. I had no interest in playing those at all. But because he wanted me to do it and he liked it, I was hoping that he would tell me, hey, you did something good. Oh, you did really well. And so I went and even went and tried out for sports teams that I really didn't care anything about as a kid because I thought it made my dad happy. I thought I would get a pat on the back from my dad. I thought he would tell me he did, that I did something right. And so this was the mentality that I had as a kid. These were the things that I strived to do. And it never seemed like I was good enough. You see, that carried over into my first job at a grocery store. I worked for a grocery store chain that hired 15-year-olds. And um, I was homeschooled during my high school years. And so because I was homeschooled, they kind of took advantage of that fact that I was more flexible. And when I went and worked at 15 years old, I was putting in 60 hours a week as a 15-year-old because I thought that every time the boss called me in and said, can you work? Can you do this? I thought the more I said yes to him, the more he would like me and the more he would tell me I was doing something right. And so I was slave to this. I was making $4.75 an hour. <laughs> and I thought that somehow if I worked my butt off and I got in there and I really worked hard, that he would like me and I would get what I was looking for. I remember this happening a lot. When we would go shopping in that grocery store where I worked, I wasn't even at work. We were just shopping in there. I was with my mom. There was this tower that was inside of this grocery store that had glass all the way around it. That was where the manager stayed. He would come over the intercom system if he saw me in the store. Derek, can you come upstairs? And I'm just in there shopping with my mom, right? I would run upstairs like my pants were on fire, boy, because I was dedicated. And I ran up there. Yes, sir. Do you have your smock with you? Yes, sir. It's in my trunk, like it always is. Sir, you need to put it on and go to work if you can. Oh, I can do it right now. I would change all my plans right there. I was just in the store shopping with my mom. I was doing this because I thought that if he told me I was doing good, that somehow that would validate me and make me feel like I was doing good. 
I remember my manager, he would tell people, oh, Derek, he's worth his weight in gold. He used to say that. That was a saying. He, he loved me, thought I was the best. Oh, Derek's worth his, worth his weight in gold. That made me work all the harder because I wanted that. I needed that or I thought I needed that. And that carried over into my ministry when I was a young youth pastor. I remember that I was still in the same mentality of searching for this and looking for this. So I would need to be validated by my pastor. But unfortunately, I was working for a guy who my best was never good enough. You know what I'm talking about? You ever work for a guy like that? I love that pastor. He's, he's a friend today. But it was a difficult time in my life because of where my needs were. Because of what I was needing from him. What I wanted from him. I wanted him to validate me and tell me I was doing good. And it seemed like my best was never good enough. So yeah, I took a youth group of, 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 at this one church. I took a youth group of 11 kids that grew and became a youth group of over 75 kids. And somehow it was still just not good enough. I wasn't doing good enough for him. And so I began to teach Sunday school and I became the worship leader and I learned how to do media and graphics and it was never good enough. I never got what I was looking for. I remember one time that I went over his house because his, his wife um, had cooked lasagna and invited me and my wife over. And we came over to their house. Here I am, 21, 22 years old. And I go over his house and we showed up about 20 minutes late. And this was before everybody had cell phones with unlimited minutes. You know, this is when you only had like 75 minutes and it costs like $300 a month and you like use those minutes like they were gold. You know what I'm talking about? And, and so we were real careful about using the minutes. So I didn't use my cell phone to call him and tell him I was late. We were like 20 minutes late. And I felt so bad about that. And I apologized to his wife over and over again. And I apologized to her every time I saw her for the next two weeks because I was afraid she was mad at me. Even though I knew I blew it, I knew I made a mistake. But I let that keep me up at night. Every time I got around her, I got uncomfortable because I thought she was angry with me and upset with me. And so I struggled with this need for someone to tell me I was okay, for somebody to approve of me, somebody to validate me. It was bad. And it kept getting worse and worse. The more you feed that monster, the bigger it's going to get. And I was under the impression that I was going to reach this pinnacle in my life at some point where I would just grow out of it. You know, I'm going to get old enough to where I'm not going to struggle with this anymore. But that day never came. The more I fed the monster, the worse it became. The more of a prisoner I became. And here I am preaching, teaching the Word of God. You know how many messages I've preached about the fear of man? You know how many messages I've preached about the very thing I was struggling with? Tons. But I couldn't live it for myself. I, I, I couldn't get over that hump. And I thought, well, what's my problem? What's wrong with me? So I would struggle with this. I struggled with, because of that, I struggled with depression. I even questioned my call to ministry because I gave so much power to others to dictate my thoughts and my emotions. I would, I, was, I would be afraid someone would think badly of me if I did this or did that. Even if I forgot to do something or made a mistake, I would literally worry over it for weeks. And then I would try to in turn prove myself that I could handle it. And I was so very sorry for what I did. And then when I felt like they were okay with me, then I was okay with me. But until I felt like they were okay with me, I, 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 was, a, I was a nervous wreck, man. I felt like I was only okay with me if they were okay with me. And I was miserable. Because if you live your life like that, you're going to be miserable. You will be miserable. I would do better from time to time. Sometimes I would get a little bit more confident than others with successes I saw. And maybe I would get a little bit more confident when I saw myself accomplish some things. And I was like, okay, I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm doing good. But it never felt like it was good enough. No matter how many good things I did, you could tell me one negative word. I could get chewed out by one parent of a teenager when I was a youth pastor because I didn't call their kid or I forgot this or forgot that. And all the good things that I felt about the ministry were gone. 
and I would stew over it because I gave people that kind of power. And here's the thing. The thing that set me free was finally coming to the realization of approving of myself because God approves of me. You get that? You've been hearing what I've been saying this morning? The thing that set me free from that is realizing that I need to be okay with me because God approves of me as a son or a daughter. You see, I had to learn that I needed to be okay with my decisions, my actions, even if others weren't. That gave me confidence and freedom. That gave me peace that passed my understanding like I've never known. That's how confidence was unleashed for me. Confidence that I am complete in Christ and that I rely on His grace to help me to continue to grow. Even in my weaknesses, He is made strong because I'm complete in Him. Here's the thing I want you to get. I was very vulnerable with you this morning. I want to share this story with you because even if it just reaches one person, maybe you didn't struggle with that to the extreme that I did in my life. But maybe there's an area in your life where you can say, yeah, I get that. I understand those feelings and those emotions and those thoughts. And I get that process. I want you to hear me this morning. You are accepted by God. You are accepted by God. He approves of you as a son or a daughter. You may not be like someone else, but here's the thing. You being like someone else isn't going to give you the confidence you need to be successful in life. You growing in who you are in Christ will. Amen. You growing in who you are in Christ will. It starts today. Confidence being unleashed starts now. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not when this person tells me good. Not when this person tells me I'm finally good enough. No, it starts now. You need to be complete in Christ. You need to see yourself that way. You are forgiven. You are free. You are worth it. God wants you free. When he said, he who the sun sets free is free indeed, he meant it. Oftentimes we look at that scripture like God is teasing us and he's being mean. Because we look at our lives and we don't feel free. And we read that scripture and we think maybe if somehow if I say it a hundred times, then maybe I'll finally be free. No, that's not how it works. You need to realize that you are free. It's a realization. It's an awakening. It's being unleashed from the power of darkness, the power of the enemy that would try to keep you feeling like you have to prove something to God to be valuable. You're valuable now. You're called now. You're gifted now. You're special in the eyes of God now because He adopted you. He chose you. He wants you. You, you need to realize that you're valuable because the God of the universe sent his son to die for you and he said you're worth something to me. You don't need somebody else to tell you you're worth something before you believe it. You need to believe it now. You need to believe it now and you need to have confidence, not in yourself, but in the grace of God, in Jesus Christ, my confidence, my peace, my joy comes from my confidence in who I am in Christ. I need to look. Yeah. I need to look at the Word of God and see myself in the reflection when I read Romans chapter 5. And I need to understand that He was talking about me and my junk and my scars and my wounds and my dysfunction and my past. He was talking to me. He was talking about a boy who used to try to please his father. 
He was talking about a boy who could never get that approval because he was looking for something from someone else and he needed to find it in Christ. He was talking about that husband and wife that may be struggling, looking at other marriages and feeling like they're failures when they need to grow together in Christ and find their confidence in Christ. Not in the picture of what someone else has said, this is how you're supposed to be. But in what Christ said you're supposed to be, you find that out through his word, through relationship with him, through being able to grow in his love, being able to mature in his grace. That's when you're unleashed. That's when you understand freedom. That's when all the roadblocks in the way of your freedom begin to be removed. When you wake up and realize this isn't about me. This is about what Jesus has already done. And because of that, I can be unleashed. I am free. I don't have to be slave to man's opinion anymore. I don't have to be slave to others' definition of success and feel like a failure because maybe I don't live in this part of town or that part of town. Maybe because I don't drive this kind of car, I have this kind of title. That doesn't mean I'm not successful, I'm not wanted, and I'm not loved. I'm loved right where I'm at. And that gives me confidence in God. And then all of a sudden that confidence leads me to success. Oh, man. Oh, man. My prayer for this message, when I put this together and the Lord put all this on my heart, was that people would wake up and realize they're free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. You're complete in Christ right now. You just need to see it. You need to see it. He wants you to see it. He wants you to be confident in Him. Paul said, I know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. All my boasting is going to be boasting in the Lord. Because me and myself, I, I can't do this on my own. I'm saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift. Freedom is a gift. We need to receive it. Would you bow your heads this morning? Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.